Hello and welcome to Vet Chloe on the Road. Insights from real people making positive change for our planet. I am Chloe, a veterinarian who has an interest in wildlife and all things environmental. And this is a show for people who would like to connect, learn and prioritize caring for our beautiful green and blue world. Come join me as I travel around Australia in my van Layla. Let's share all things conservation and meet all the inspiring environmental heroes along the way. And on today's episode, listen in as I have a chat with Navarone Salerno, a ringer from the Kimberley who not only lives but thrives off the land. To get a feel for what his fantastic outdoors Aussie life is all about, check out his Instagram, Australian Cowboy, of which was actually started by some kids from the US staying at his station a few years back. Nav was resistant to the idea of Instagram, but they encouraged him to share his real raw and rugged life, of which he now has quite the following. Nav is one of the most humble, kind, yet rough and ready Aussie guys you'll ever meet, who has a very different kind of job to most of us. There is much I can learn, as you will find out. Listen in. So welcome to the show, Nav. Thanks for being here. Pleasure. Pleasure. My pleasure's all mine. So we've met through Andrew Eucles. Yep. I've just done his yep. tour. He's a mad guy, yep. He is. <laughs> How did you guys meet? Um, so I met him... Uh, I actually met him through Instagram, believe it or not. I, I saw some of his stuff and he was coming through uh, Kanara. Yes. And so I said we should catch up. And uh, uh, I mean, everyone's seen his stuff on YouTube and the cra- exactly. crazy stuff that he does. That was so myself, ha- and that's, that's how it worked for me. Uh, that's exactly right. So I had to meet him. So I said we'd catch up for a beer, and we ended up going out fishing and chasing crocodiles and snakes. And, <laughs> and, and bonded. Yeah, that's and it. Survived. Absolutely. And survived. That's right. <laughs> so, Kununurra, maybe tell people where that is. So, Kununurra is the uh, East Kununurra. Kimberley. So the whole north of Western Australia is a region from Broome all the way up to Clumbaroo, right round to Kununurra, which right. is right next to the right next to the border of NT and WA. So Fabulous. it's the last frontier of Australia. Would you it. say? Yeah, well, that's what the, that's the saying, anyways. The last frontier of Australia. Oh, that definitely there's, lures me there. It. There's really only one highway that goes through there, and it goes from Kununurra down along the edge down towards Broome. That's it. Gotcha. You know, it's like three. Uh, how many? You can fit. Two or three Englands in there. Oh wow! It's big, yeah, it's big, wow, yeah. beautiful. And yeah. that's where you have a farm. Yep, um, have a and station there. Yeah, got, oh, well, I've got a small uh, block there now. I used to uh, run on our Questro station, which is a very well-known uh, tourism area there. Yes. Um, for the place, but now I um, contract master, so there's a team about four or five of us. And yes. We'll go around to different stations and contract bull catch. So we go out and catch big wild scrub bulls. Uh, oh my god. Well, there's not a lot of uh, scrub uh, bulls. Yeah, scrub bulls. So they're wild. You're probably gonna have to like um, decode That's, all this okay, terminology. Sorry, sorry. Also, what's in the equestrian station? Is Alquestro that station is a, horses? Um, is it? It's 1.1 million acres of uh, of uh, no, it's just a um, it's called El Questro, and oh, the way El that El Questro yeah, is just the name of it. That's right. It was mm. supposed to be called uh, the, a Mexican. La, La Cuesta. No. No, what? No. Oh, no, no. no. Uh, so I've uncle... been watching Nick Badger's stuff, oh, and I think he made I a joke that. about that. Hey, I'll talk about that later on, actually. Okay, was, yeah. He was pointing at the tree that I actually did some shooting at it. I don't oh, know if you watched it. Ooh, I did that, see it. Was, there's holes in the Well, he was trying the... to find water? Yes, those <laughs> holes. When I was nine, I went from 200 meters away, and I was told someone I could get a really good grouping with my 22. Right. And I shot this vibe tree. And I got in trouble for it. I got in big trouble for it because my parents said, don't ever scar these trees because they scar for life. Like, what you do to these trees, that's it. They're there for life. Oh, my God. I was nine at the time. I'm now 28. And that's almost 20 years later. And he's and every time I drive past it when I was mustering, I'd pull up to this tree. And if I was with someone, I'd tell him, hey, hey, see this? I did this when I was oh, nine. No. And, blah, 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 blah. and when I saw that 
tree on his post. Oh my god! Post. For those who don't know who Nick Badger is, he's a famous bloke. Yeah. Does rugby, but yes, yeah. I um, and I saw that post. I was like, hang on a minute, I know that exact formation of those. And it's still holes. haunting you there. Is, it did scar the, the tree. How did that? How the hell did that come about? You know. Um, <laughs> well, this, this is good for me. I can all picture it now. That's it. Yeah. Um, so Elkwestry is big, big touristy area. Um, because there's two places on there that uh, have uh, your Emma Gorge and the township, but the rest of it has to be run as a pasture release. Okay. So, but back in the day, my uncle, my uncles, and my uh, father and all his brothers bought Elkwestra in the 80s, in '83, I think it was, uh-huh. and they opened it up to tourism. Cool. So it was just a normal cattle station. That's why Emma Gorge and uh, a few other places are named after my old cousins, old sisters. Oh, so right. it's all family uh, names along that area. So. Um, that's very much home it's, then. Yeah, it is very much home, yeah. But yeah. the Elquestra, the name itself come from uh, the chap who went to name it, because uh, it was like a four or five hour drive into town, so you wouldn't do yeah. it unless you had to go into town for shopping or for some reason. Yes. So he'd gone into town and he wanted to call it The Quest. The Quest, because to him ah. it was like, it was always somewhere to explore, always somewhere to go. Uh-huh, yeah. So, but when he went to town, had a big night on the town, and actually when the, and instead of calling it La Cuestra or something like that to say the quest, he accidentally called it El spelt it El Cuestro. Oh. So, so it was a little it was, slip of the tongue. It was a slip of the that's it when he was uh, spelling it out. So and he was too drunk the next morning when he went in to go name it. So <laughs> that's actually how it got its name. So it sounds very authentic. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> well, I look forward to going over there because actually I'll head to Catherine tomorrow. Yep. Catherine. And then I'll um yeah zip over to. Yep, turn right. Turn right and uh, cross over, and I think you know entering WA. Yep. Um, always crossing a border is exciting. Yep. yep. Um, That's it. For myself. Don't um, bring any fruit because you can't get in with the. the um, they got the, the border oh, thing there. Any fruit, strict. fruit or vegetarian? Yeah, because yeah. the fruit flies. So uh-huh. you have to make sure you eat all your fruit. Okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> no Local worries. knowledge. Learn as you go. That's it. Um, leave the rabbits back in New That's South it. Wales and that kind of thing. <laughs> Bloody rabbits. <laughs> I know, I have a real soft spot for yeah. them, but I know I shouldn't <laughs> when it comes to the wildlife. That's it, that's um, it. But, you know, this this conversation will be great because you are born and raised from the land, you're yep. still on it, yep. you're still investing your time yep. and probably yep. your Absolutely. foreseeable future. Yep. And I think it would be lovely to kind of bring this conversation to those that um, aren't able to live this life or yep. have an interest in it. Yep. So what's your general background? So I was uh, born in the woods, uh, in the woods actually, in Adelaide Hills. Oh. Uh, my mum didn't like hospitals, so I was, and I was two weeks late, so she, uh, <laughs> she had me in a little pink house, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, so yeah, started there, and <laughs> I always had a farm, I lived on a farm, so I was always dealing with animals, and yes. uh, then moved up, oh, I left school when I was 14, so I um, yes. wasn't very good, at, uh, my, I was dyslexic when I was, I was diagnosed with dyslexic at seven, so, oh, okay. um, and quite severe, so the I The school system is so rigid, isn't it? Yes, it, it is. can push you out. Well, these days it seems to be caught up on the fact that that is what makes you a good human being or not. That's what people think, mm. that if you don't do well at that, then that's your, that's basically where your life is heading. And, yeah. and that's what I was told a lot during school, which is you're not going to, unless you practice or try harder, it's like, it wasn't like I wasn't trying. Yeah. Because I, when I, I could see it as I was growing up, we were all on the same page, myself, my brothers and my cousins, all on the same page. And then all of a sudden they start opening these books and reading the whole thing. And I'm like, wait, wait, <laughs> wait, wait, what's going on here? How are you, are you just making this up? Like, uh, oh, really? Yeah. You can't do that. Like, yeah. no way you can do that. Like, before we both couldn't read, now you can read and I still can't. And I'm like, hang on a minute. Right. What's going on here? And then he's going through novels at the age of like eight or nine. And I was like, how are you doing this? Like, yeah. I look at a page and I see thousands of letters. Yes. How do you remember how they all go together? 
you probably still remember that feeling. That's it. Oh, absolutely. From so when you were I, small. So I was never doing well at school. And I was told <laughs> I was never going to do well at life, and that was what I was told. So eventually I got out. I had friends working in Sydney uh, doing construction. I just told everyone I was 16. Yes. started work in construction and then did Over some in work. Sydney, from That's Adelaide it. to Sydney? That's yep. It. And then I did some work in the coal mines of Queensland out there and had my 15th birthday out there. And then, <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, I wanted to get back to the land, so I had enough of being around that horrible, horrible lifestyle, just working from, you know, the same thing. Yes. Um, so then I went back up to the Kimberleys here. Because um, you have the family land, family, is that yeah. right? Well, or they the sold our pressure back in 91, but we, myself and my... Uh, Daughter cousins came back and actually leased El Questro, leased the land ah, again. Okay. So we put uh, about 10,000, 11,000 cattle on there and cool. we leased that land off. So, so you kind of, yes, yeah, so you pretty much returned to yeah, it. Yeah, returned it. Returned it. And he was actually born in the vegetable, my older cousin. So yeah. He was actually uh, born in the vegetable patch out there. <laughs> so it was these too far to go to great stories. You oh, don't meet was, people like this, no, you know, contemporaries oh, with these stories. <laughs> <laughs> Funny about the thing about my family, actually, a lot of them were born in strange places because I guess living on the land, it was just too. Yeah. Hard women too. Them women out there, I'll tell you what, when they grow up on the land, they're hard. Yeah. One, my sister was born on the side of the road. So was she? In between uh, coming <laughs> up to El Crestro, so she, like, two weeks early, so mum just pulled over. Oh my and god. Dad was freaking out more than she was. And, <laughs> it's often know, the way it that's sounds. It, you know, so that's basically how life has gone. But now yeah. I'm back on El Crestro and I'm out there uh, contract mustering. So Contract um, mustering? Yeah. Okay. So, and what is a ringer? What's the... So a ringer is, it actually started, from what I've been told from a lot of old fellas, is it started off as um, ringers came up with their most experienced sheep farmers. Uh-huh. So you've got jackaroo, which is, they can do a bit of everything, but they're not really a skill in everything, you know, they okay. don't have a, a skill or a profession they're in. Yes. But the ringer was the top sheep farmer, basically. Okay. And he was or a top jackaroo and he could do everything and generally what happened is after sheep they kind of went into the beef cattle because it was more money okay so a lot of the beginning or the beginners in the uh, beef industry were called were ringers mm, okay. and then you had your head stockman and your stockman who just lived doing cattle so then you turn into a head stockman after you've done and a few years as a ringer yeah because um you know i'm definitely getting into this territory of yeah, yeah. Uh, a bit more um yeah farm life and yeah. A muster and a ringer, how do you mustering. compare them? Well, a musterer is... Or is it... No, same thing. It, it, same thing. As or is a, a muster more mustering. like... Mustering. Mustering is bringing in cattle. Gotcha, so you're yeah. Gathering them all One up. of the skills of the ringer. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have to know how to um, deal with yeah. especially up this So you're way. a ringer? Yeah, ringer. Yeah. Ringer. So, yeah. And I do head stockman work at the moment, so I look after or train the fellas that come up. Gotcha. Um, so the manager will tell you what he wants, and then you tell the boys and, and look after gotcha. them. Gotcha. So. And so what age... Did you buy this or lease this land Myself, again? Yeah, I was and your cousins? 19. Gotcha. So, the time I, got up there, yeah. I guess, I mean, it's a lot of responsibility, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, To well, start a farm. I guess you'd learn from others. Yeah, you just do it. You just, yes. You, literally, the best way to learn is in the fire, really. Yes. You know, yes. uh, you get thrown into it. And Baptism by fire. Do, Baptism by fire. You have mm-hmm. to do with it. You just, thank you, you just have to... Uh, find out what the go is, where the cattle live, where they roam to, where the fences are because there's not many right. fences out there. Especially where your boundaries are because it's hills and rivers. Right. That's your boundary. Right. So, you know, and how to deal with wild cattle because the cattle out there have never seen people. 
Wow. Some of them have never ever, that's what we call them clean skins or scrub bulls. Yeah, that's, ah. that's never, scrub bull is like a wild bull that's never, bull. never come in. And if they're clean skins, they've, they've got no branding, no earmarks, no e tags. Oh my god. So that's what we call a clean skin. <laughs> so, and they're generally, they are, you are a threat to that. You're, the, you're their biggest threat. They uh, wow. will want to kill you in any way they possibly can. And do so. they need much provoking for them to think like that? Uh, or will they just go? Just, just start mustering them. Just start, start trying to bring them in. Them. You're pushing them out of their territory. Then they're going to turn around and go, no, hang on a minute, I want to go back. Right. And then you're facing them. So, so you're on your horse. Uh, when we deal or with those quad animals, bikes quad or, bikes and yeah. bull catchers, because uh, horses, I've had a horse uh, when I was first learning. I did it on horses because I was yeah. cool and I thought I could do everything on a horse. Yeah. Um, and I seem to learn everything the hard way, very slowly. <laughs> Uh, my horse got got gutted, gutted. Uh, got too close. And, um, yeah, he, he was only a young bull too, but he had really sharp luck. And he uh. turned and just went straight up the side. And I turned the horse, but it just put it up the side. Missed uh. my leg, straight up his guts, and just uh. opened them up. Um, oh, the guts were coming out, and I had to take Quite traumatic, isn't it? Know. Lucky, well, we, we, we were allowed to carry pistols out there, so I had a pistol on me. So I had to actually unsaddle him, unbridle yep. him, and he was like shaking. and. Um, so that's him, the risk. Down, I had to put them down right there. Oh. And then I had to tell everyone that I basically, I stuffed up. So I, he dumped for the me. Oh. That was full on my, all my mistake. Me trying to, I guess, be a little bit too, uh, push too hard. Daring or yeah. Too daring, yeah. Trying yeah. To, that's the ringer's game. Everyone's trying to be better than the next ringer. Right. And, and push the limits. Yep. Um, but yeah, that, that So it's very real, isn't yeah, it, for life someone there? else's life. That wasn't, at least, you know, at least if it got me, it's all right. But I, I, I had to put my own horse down. That was a big lesson for me and a good experience. Yeah. To wake up a little bit. Yeah, for um, learning from it. That's it. And then I went to two-wheelers, so I thought that was the next coolest thing. <laughs> and then I got... Which are dirt, dirt bikes. Well, yes. Yes. Yeah, two dirt bikes. And then I got hit by a bull. And I ended up breaking my kneecap and dislocating oh. my shoulder. So another lesson learned. Another lesson learned. Another hard, hard lesson learned. And then I went to quads and thought, you know what? At least I can get off the quad and they can have a good time at the quad and not me. You know? <laughs> so I did learn the hard way and a yeah. few things. Um, Any injuries on the quad? Um, or is no, it? I haven't had it. I've come off once though, uh, yeah. which was uh, very. I'm actually very fortunate. I haven't come too many times with the quad, but yeah. Um, uh, it's a lot better. I can yes. just. If I do go to catch something, because we catch them by the tail and pull them down. Uh -huh. um, if they do try to turn, at least they haven't gone. So quiet. you're in the quad, you grab their tail, tail, yeah, and you're still driving the quad. Yeah, still driving the quad. And then, then you let go, and you jump off and pull them on their step, so they get kind of knocked up, kind of thing. Yeah, when they're knocked up is when they're tired. It's not when uh -huh. they're. Um, basically, get they're knocked up is when they, their tongue starts to come out and they get tired because they're running. Uh -huh. That's when they're just doing one big gallop cop thing and they're not okay. really focusing. They're yep. just galloping, and then you grab their tail and as they lift up, you pull and it trips them up, and uh -huh. you tie them up and you come back and pick them up later on. Tie them up. Yeah, it's a bit tough and, and rugged, but it's the only way to get these cattle off the land and yes. the yard is, is that way. Is that so, way. And then yeah. they get put on a, a truck, truck yep. and then taken back to the farm, yep. Yep. and then off they go That's it, to the long, slaughterhouse. Yeah, or, or slaughterhouse or overseas. Or, live um, or, or are they gone live, pens, overseas right? Overseas is live, yeah. Live yeah. Um, but otherwise, or you just uh, cut their nuts off so they can't breed. Cut yes. So they can't breed and then uh, mess the herd up. So. Right. Because... Yeah. Um, I was saying how I watched the film Australia yep. last week, yep. um, yep. which um, everyone should watch again if you haven't. And a long it, movie. <laughs> it is long. Actually, I got halfway through and I was like, oh, I'll do the other half another time. Um, but it is a beautiful setting. Like, I'm just transfixed it on it the is. images. That's and why, this is your yeah, home El ground? Yep, that is. It is. That is El Cuestro. Yeah, that's El Cuestro. So 
that spot where they that's go to great that for people to know yeah do you know that water hole where they poisoned um they poisoned and the cattle had to walk through the desert type yes. thing and they got this spot that was poisoned that's called navarone springs that's wow. named after me so yeah oh is it navarone springs little mud hole navarone, yeah. Oh. yeah that's it yeah brilliant <laughs> so i saw that i was like hey, <laughs> now, so we gave them the cattle we gave them the cattle for that yes and had to work the cattle and they you couldn't cut oh you gave up. them cattle for yeah, the film for the film yeah oh, wow, had to get cool. them used to that and um because this is what I'm picturing when you're describing this sort of muster. I guess they had it on horses, but quads, yeah, and yeah. I guess... Um, choppers in the air. Yep. And choppers, and choppers in the air, yep, right. Well, yep. And just knowing where their um, flight zones yeah, are and yeah. working them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if, I mean, you must go many kilometers away from the farm, yeah, so to bring them way. back yeah. is so difficult. Have, well, yeah, and that's what you've got to be aware of, I guess, is what can the animal do? How far can a cattle walk or what the heat is like? It's yes. too hot, you can't push them that far. Yeah. But um, we've got certain yards set up around the place so they don't have to go as far. Okay, like yeah. Some of them can be walking 25k a day or, you know, right. jogging at 25k a day. Ah. Um, and so you, because I've been on this tour with um, Andrew and, yeah. you know, there are feral animals out there. Yeah. We did discuss how, whoa, there's a buffalo. What's yeah, what's yeah. its fate? What's it doing here? <laughs> that's um, it, that's it. But on your property, say, I guess you've got a mix of... A mix of the animals that you know are there and the yep. animals that you don't know are there. That's it, yeah. That's it. Um, so you actually have like what? What kind of what kind of cows? So do we you have? breed Brahmin. I was going to say, you've yeah. You've got all the wild cattle. It's a shorthorn, and you can't control them. I wish everyone wishes they could. The problem with physically, uh, you mean, control them or, in, yeah, like, or and breeding? Stop them breeding, but, but they live in the hills. They're rugged bastards, and they live in those hills, and you can't get them out. You know, and right. they're, they're just cunning. I've seen bulls. Are they call. breeding with your? Yeah, they come down and breed with your, and they've got big <laughs> horns. Our bulls don't, so they come in there. I've seriously, I've seen a herd of about 15 beautiful white Brahmin cows, three big Brahmin bulls there, and one short horn bull. And I'm like, how did you little buggy? You must come out of the mountains, you know, and I'd have to right. go. I'll, I'll shoot them and use them for dog meat or something, or beef jerky. Yes. But I look at the calves, and they're all brown <laughs> calves. It's like, how, how are there three white bulls? And one little bastard, and he's got to all of those women. He's got Ooh, to them all. Hybrid figure. How is that possible? You yeah. know, they've got Hila Vida. You see it. Oh, oh, do they? Yeah. They're just, they say they're born pregnant, uh, short oh. because they come and, like, within, you know, one year old, they're pregnant and they're ready to have it. It's like, how, how is this possible? Like, you've got three. So this is like, a constant battle oh, you're up against. Battle, you know, yeah. like, to try and get rid of these things. But and is the meat different? Is, oh, yeah, definitely. So well, your Brahmins are highly, higher prized than the, um, the scrub because bulls. of the live export. They all want uh-huh. the Brahmin. Right, um, yeah. So they're actually a lot, the Boston Nikus are a lot, which is the Brahmin, are a lot tougher. Okay. Uh, a lot tougher meat. But the, yes. the Boston Taurus, which is that short horn, which is related to the Angus and all that sort of softer uh, breed. So it's yes. actually a softer meat. And when I go hunting to eat, because we have to get our own beef off the land. So yep. Um, I'll go out hunting and I'll always try and hunt down a shorthorn. Will you? Yep, lead the Brahmins because they're tougher and I'll try and hunt down a shorthorn. That's interesting. So it's softer meat, yep. the softer tougher meat. Yep. cows, yeah. but they're not as prized. That's it. Not Is it because here. the overseas, overseas market We've only got want overseas a different market. type of meat? They so is this going to Vietnam? and? Uh, it's going to Indonesia. Indonesia? Some go to um, uh, Egypt, Egypt ah. as well. So they have some big boats Egypt. coming. Egypt, how about on, on boats? On boats, yeah. Oh boats, my god. Yeah. And they will want the biggest, muscliest animals. They don't want fat. If some animals are too fat, they won't sell them. You can't sell them. Ah. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's it sort is, of what yeah. you're raised on. What kind of, um, I guess, taste or... Yeah. Well, no, I think they want muscle. So we eat steak in Australia. They don't. They ah. have, they'll put it in a stew and that's it, you know. Uh-huh. So they don't want fat. They want meat and they'll have that, that stew that will last them the week and they'll just keep 
screwing ah. it up and taking it out. And I've got one big chunk of meat in there, and that's it. You know, that'll last. You should them. go. Have you gone to these places? No, you I should go to these places know, and have and these local dishes, and, and local maybe dishes, wonder if it's. Right. Uh, it's your home. So over here in Australia, we eat a lot of steak and a lot of prize cuts and that. They don't yeah. have anything as prize cuts. It's all meat to them. Right. Know? So they'll just be bulk. They want as much meat. That's why they like bulls, because it's more meat. Aha. So to them, it's going to be the stew. That's how they're going to wow. eat it. Bones and all. Bones everything. and all. I mean, I think being a farmer, um, from my exposure to it, is so holistic, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, you know, the seasons, the, yeah. the fauna, yeah. flora. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what the overseas world is doing yeah. that integrates yeah. with the industry. That's it. That's, that's what I had the live export sh- shut down. Remember that? Mm. 2012, was it? 11? They shut it down. With Julia Gillard? Julia, yeah. Mm. yeah. That um, that messed up a lot of people. We sent uh, our spade cattle, so that's our good uh, fat uh, sow cattle. We s- gave them to uh, Warrnambool in New South Wales, I think it is, or Victoria. I think it's Victoria. Warrnambool, yeah. And we sent them to down there for... 78 cents a kilo when now the price of the cattle is like $3.20 right you know? right you had to pretty much instead of shooting them it was all shoot them which is a dollar twenty around mm-hmm. you know and yeah. this dropped and wasted this whole animal's life is wasted for nothing or you basically give them for free almost down to um mm. down to what uh, that's our only option and like I guess yeah. when it got stopped, the live export yeah. trade, that was pretty much your business that was it. stopped. That's it. Um, stopped on for hold. a lot of people. Yep, on hold. That's it. Yikes. So. With any warning, I guess? No. Or? no. <laughs> just stopped. So that was a... Overnight. Yeah. So when did you start the farm? Um, we, I started that, got there in 2008. Okay. 2008, I was there. Yes. Yeah. So you're a few years in and then... Yeah. How long did that last for? Did it? Uh, it was only a short period, but it, it was at the end of the year. So that was when everyone builds up for the end of the year and they're mustering, they go to the cattle, and boom, you know, oh, they go to uh, oh, they go. Tight. I think it was October or something. Yeah, and you just go and send all, all, all your cattle and make a bit of money back, and bang. right, you've just spent all the mustering costs for everything for the whole year. God. <laughs> and then they shut up, <laughs> bastards. So, well, how many head of cattle do you have? I there was about said... there was about eleven thousand on Equestro, um, and we sold them off, and now we're. Um, Contracts, so I don't actually have other than my 150 head that I okay. use for eating and um, uh, just to breed and eat them. Um, now we're contracts, so stations will call us up and we'll go out and muster for them. Okay. Yeah. So that's quite a cool. It's kind of like your locum yeah. um, version yeah. of farm life. <laughs> that's it. Um, yeah. So they need help mustering. Mm-hmm. And is this you and your cousins or some other mates that work yeah, on? Yeah, other mates as well um, that you trust and that have a fair bit of experience under there. Yeah. Because like I said, these bulls will kill you if they get a chance. I've yeah. Had, all my broken bones have come from being in the yards with these guys. Yeah, you know. it's danger money too, oh, yeah. isn't it? it is, because yeah. um, yep. you, you do put your yourself on the line. Yeah, body on the line, yep. So yeah. You've got to be careful. So, <laughs> yeah. so is family still down in Adelaide? or? I've got family in Adelaide. Yeah, I've still got family all over the place. Okay. But, um, um, I've still got family down there and family on the Gold Coast. My sister and mum live on the Gold Coast. So, okay, nice. Um, but I'll, myself and my brother and cousin live up there. So. Nice. Yeah. And it sounds like it's where you're meant to be. That is definitely <laughs> where I'm meant to be. So. Well, I've got, I've got that as well as my, um, uh, in my spare time I do the North Force. Yeah, so. can you tell us more about that? Because yeah. um, that's something else of interest. <laughs> well, North Force is uh, a part of special forces that just deal with the north of Australia. So mm-hmm. they don't actually go overseas, but they um, patrol the whole north of Australia. It started with the, the Nakaroos um, back in World War II. Um, and what is that, Nakaroos? Nakaroos is a uh, unit that was started all on horses, and they were basically in, mostly indigenous, uh-huh. and they were just 
we know this land, so right. we're going to go and stop anyone invading, basically. Gotcha. And so there's a few battles. There's a book called The Nakaroos, actually, it's really good, and they tell you about a few bat- battles that no one even has ever heard about because it was just right. the Nakaroos and the Japanese, I think. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. That just happened in the middle of nowhere. story out. Happened, that sounds... Yeah, happened in the middle of nowhere, you know, and these guys were very renegade rough, rugged unit that Australia were like, this is embarrassing, these guys aren't, because Australia's neat and tidy and always, you know, sharp, and right, these yes. guys aren't shaven, you know, they're rugged looking people, <laughs> but they're literally, they were farmers and indigenous going out there to right. sell stuff it. we're going to look after our own land, they're not, they're, not, they're not coming into our country, mm. um, so yeah, that's where it that all started. That was a scary started. time when the yeah, Japanese that's were. that's it, so that's where it all started from, and so I do North Force in my spare time, because as a reservist, um, so we'll go and patrol and do all up and work with uh, border security, uh, fisheries, the coppers for anything that could possibly, a lot That's of animals smuggling stuff. So yeah, and then I teach, uh, I instruct on the survival courses, so we teach environmental survival. Yes. Um, and it's the only, the only environmental uh, survival course in the, in the whole of Australian Army, so there's about 15 instructors and... Oh, brilliant. Um, that's it. So we were talking about um, your skills with the hand drill. The hand drill, You yep. know, having to make um, <laughs> fire. Fire, yep, absolutely. That must be a, such an empowering feeling, you know. <laughs> when, just it's, a, it's amazing when uh, you can actually light fire. It feels like magic. Yeah. When you can get sticks, it's like, no, nah, that can't be done, you know. that's uh, Then all of a sudden it's there and there's just flames in front of you from just sticks. Yeah. It's, it is empowering. I've, when I've instructed some boys who are, you know, kind of city guys that come on this uh, yes. course. Uh, relatively in the army they are just you know push push pen pushes you know and they like they get up and just take off to the scrub they're so excited they're yelling and screaming oh god fire the whole you know Wilson thing and the bloody castaway scene oh, yes. and they take off I've had guys knock them like, almost knock themselves out because they run and jump so hard their legs go out in front of them and they land in the back you know and they can't breathe you know <laughs> but they're super excited and they're starving they're not going to get hurt by the fire it. but by That's making it. the fire and, got, and rejoicing I mean they've got no energy because they've been star- we're starving them so they've got yes. no energy yet they've got fire and all of a sudden a boost of energy you know and excitement and morale you know oh. So, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, kind of lighting up spirits, right? That's when you it. have like, the fire going. Yeah. <laughs> it is definitely a good skill to have. <laughs> I think so. I think that, um, and, you know, always when you're in, in nature, in the elements, yeah. um, you do yeah. become more alive, and I think yeah, it's an important definitely. thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and to not forget. It's a good thing you say. It's true we said become more alive. I honestly believe that being outdoors, all your senses heighten. Yeah. your sense of smell because you you start getting used to what's around you and if a new smell comes in you, you somehow you start to notice it more mm. or a new sound like you start getting used to what animals are out there and what birds are uh, a constant thing you hear a horn or a voice or something that doesn't well, hang on a minute you yeah. know, so this, your, your, your hearings heightens and then your you know just your feeling in general your whole nervous system can pick up on feelings that you know it's, it's incredible how your whole neurological system uh, heightens you know yeah. being from the city and lights are too bright and the noises you hear all the noises and yeah. well, it's true because when you are in a city you, your senses kind of dull because oh, yeah. you need to shut things That's out and you, oh yeah um and even eye contact and things start to yep, go yep, and yep. Um, and that's why I like how you're bringing G'day back. G'day back, yes. Damn it all, we've got to bring G'day back to We've got to bring G'day back. Tell us a bit so about much. that. Well, I just, uh, after being through Sydney a few times, and I'm, I was saying G'day to people, and it just seemed to like surprise them a fair bit. Yeah. And then I hear a lot of people in the city talk about the fact that they feel like they're amongst people, but they're on their own. Yes. And they're alone. It's a lonely you know, place city, apparently, yeah. It's a lonely place. How can that be, you know? Mm, like, yeah. But just saying g'day to someone 
It's seriously, it is the smallest thing. If you just acknowledge people as you walk past them, it's amazing how much that'll just lift their spirit and be like, oh, I'm not yeah. invisible. Yeah. I'm not invisible. I'm not actually alone. Yeah. Like, and there's a huge part of mental health these days is people feeling like they're on their own. Yes. You're not. You know, there's a lot of people in your same shoes yep. doing the same thing you're doing. And all it takes is just someone to say hello. I don't know, g'day, hello, exactly. howdy, whatever it is. Yes. Say, just acknowledge someone. Look at the end of it, look at them a little nod. Yeah. You know, a little click, you know. Yeah. And that's all I do sometimes, just a nod. How are you? <laughs> you don't have to stop and have a conversation. It's just to acknowledge that it's coming past you. And it's, it's, it's actually nice when you get um, further into the country because that's just sort of more yeah. obvious. Yeah, um, and that's it. And that's it's why people nice are a bit more lively, a bit more happy. And it all is because people are saying good day to each other. That's why I said we've got to bring good day back. Like, Definitely. We have, especially in Australia, it's a huge part of Australia's culture is to say good day and be that lively people. When people come to Australia and go, you know, Australia, they always say hello to you, they're always happy. And if we lose that, then we lose that, I guess, that part of our culture. So, yeah. Australians, we are somebody's. We are, people know, of the whole world knows of Australians and roughly what they're like. Yes. And we want to keep that alive. Definitely. Yeah. You know, we're known to be those happy kind of people. I mean, some places are <laughs> a bit rugged and loud and obnoxious, I guess. But, <laughs> but you get that. But, um, you know. <laughs> Sometimes um, strengths come upon weaknesses, it. That's you know. It. You know, they... we might drink a little bit too much overseas and get in trouble, but. <laughs> no, I love that too. I think it's nice to kind of think about the underlying things in life, your yeah. environment, what yeah. you think about, who you're with, yeah. that can bring things alive. And yeah. I think. Yeah. Good day and out in the land is certainly one of them. Yeah. And who is out in the land? You've got different mates who have of, similar yeah, lifestyles. A of, yeah, a lot of people are. Um, we well get a lot of people coming up from, especially country boys and country girls that come up from down south wanting to do that, um, yep. bring it in the top end, you know, and they yes. want to go up and experience the top end. So you've got a lot of guys that come up every year, but they only generally hang around for a year or a season, go back to school or go back to yes. university, whatever it is. Um, but uh, we work with a lot of indigenous guys up there. Um, yeah. I grew up with. Tell us more about that because you yeah. have had them in your life always. Yeah, yeah, most of my life I grew up with indigenous, so I got uh, initiated with the indigenous, so I uh, went through the ceremony with them. Um, oh, skin, what is that involved? Name. Uh, a few different things. <laughs> uh, can't say too much. But, uh, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, yes, skin name, we've got family, so. Um, and is I that through to, your family connections? Yeah, um, I learned to hunt, learned to hunt, learned to track, learned the, the culture and, and how they treat everyone and, as a family. and where my position was as part of that family and right. it's an amazing an amazing culture once you uh, get into how it actually works Definitely. and everyone looks after everybody you know? and was this down in Adelaide or was no, this no that was up towards I started in the centre there of Australia and then moved up to Kimberley's so it was with, with them from the centre to the top end there ah and so what age were you I guess. I was, uh, I mean, I was always going up to camping when I was a young fella, up uh-huh. that way, okay. for as long as I can remember. But it was about the age of nine to ten that I actually started going to learning their culture and actually ah. learn the laws. And, um, and they were very receptive to that, and yeah. I guess because yeah. you already had family yeah, connections. Yeah, family, family connections, so they knew who I was roughly, they knew who I was according to him, and that's how they work. Whoever you are related to is how they are supposed to, because everyone's supposed to treat everyone in a certain way. There's a rules to how you treat your cousins, your mum, your auntie, yes. your mother-in-law, how you treat them or how you are supposed to respect them, I guess. Yes. So when someone, if I introduced you as my sister, everyone goes, oh, he's his sister, that's how I'm, I'm supposed to treat him as my auntie or as my mum or uh-huh. as my... And so okay. they know how to treat you. Yes. So when I came in, they knew how to treat me and I had to know how I was supposed to treat other people because gotcha. I had to quickly learn that because yeah. otherwise I'd get in trouble. I mean, obviously, you know this a lot better than me, but from yeah. the exposure I've had, the rock art, I guess, sort of tours in Kakadu, they mm-hmm. talked about this. Things like you cannot yeah. talk to your yeah. mother or father-in-law. Mo- mother-in-law, mother-in-law. <laughs> you, gotta, you just ignore her. You see, I've seen it in the street. I've seen uh, driving with my um, 
so he's my indigenous brother, basically, and he, um, he, um, it's his mother-in-law walking the street and she had shopping bags, she's struggling to get home, drive straight past, doesn't even look at her, mm. cannot look at her. Cannot look at her? Cannot look at her. She's walking down the, in the shopping centre, we're walking down the little coals in town there, and he quickly turned around and walked down the other aisle, because she was coming up that aisle. Oh my God. If she hops into the car, he'll hop out the car. Wow. Yeah, yeah, the and mother-in-law is very important. Definitely. <laughs> well, you think about it, most... Sons have troubles with their mother-in-law. Yes, yes. I think there's probably a lot of nodding going on. Um, That's it. And, and it, it doesn't feel strange to them. Um, it's, no, it's, it's not an impolite, disrespectful thing. Yeah. If anything, it is respectful. That's respectful. Because That's it's the like respect you're supposed to give them. And the mother-in-law knows that. The son-in-law. Everybody mm. knows that. They think you're doing the right thing. You're respecting that. Respecting yeah. that. If you don't do it, you're not respecting that person. You don't respect that they're, they're your mother-in-law. Yeah, and you're not, lis- and you're not listening to, I guess, yeah. traditional laws. That's it. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. kingship is the relationship of everybody to yeah. each other yeah, and because I've, I've learned about um yiricha and dua is that yiricha right is there like these two main kind of like the yin and yang um it might have been just in the kakadu area but um certain animals and certain people are either one of these two they're probably called different because each aboriginal language is yeah completely, completely and it was very complex how they explained yeah. like whether you have a a son or a daughter and who yep. they marry and yep. oh I know how all that works yeah I know how, well yeah? the Muskin name was Jabal Jaddy yeah give us a little you couldn't, inst- you couldn't um, Jangaru or Jangara you couldn't marry that genetics because that's t- too close to your genetics so you had to go with a different yes. or from a different tribe so it was all about the skin name is basically to tell you your genetics so uh-huh. it was to tell you where you come from to know what who you could and could not marry right um, that's how you that's how you stopped inbreeding I guess and that's how they did it so they yeah. um, uh, they it was very very um very precise, like they know yeah. exactly what's going on and it's, who you can and cannot marry. So it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, but definitely and, fascinating. And actually, this is a question. So you know, Aboriginal people and their connection to land is very strong. Yeah. Yep. Now we're farming it in a more yeah. Western way. Yeah. And how does that mix? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I believe that I don't think they ever thought they were separate from it. Yeah. So they honestly, they honestly were just on there as the animals were, like the kangaroos and everything else. They were just there to, to get the food that they, they could when they were hungry, and they ate in the afternoon because that was the. If you, when I was watching, watching them hunt even younger, they wouldn't move all day long. They wouldn't move because it was too hot to move. So they moved in the afternoon. All of a sudden, they're up and they're moving, ready to mm. hunt. They yeah. go out, get the food, come back, eat, and then rest again. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. That was that. They lived exactly like that. There was, they were never even thought about keeping or harvesting or growing that was never even a thing that it would ever cross mm. their mind ever and I still don't think it would it, it's just not how they even think they yeah think like that they think completely different to us yeah yeah and I think it's important to see things from their side yeah because absolutely. so much has been forced upon them <laughs> yeah and it's it's difficult yeah um, yeah trying to make them uh, like us they are very very different to us so, yeah yeah um, but you got some great mates there you've grown oh, up with and absolutely yeah, I, I know how to, how to respect them. They know how to, know how to respect. They know that I'm, uh, as they say, they call me their white brother and I call them my black brothers, you know. Oh, nice. Um, so, which I can get into trouble to sometimes because I forget and I say it somewhere else. Oh, my black brother, you know, we go fishing and they're like, whoa, what? What did you just say? <laughs> like, oh, no, sorry, uh, indigenous? <laughs> <laughs> That's, but, that is yeah. funny, isn't it? Because yeah. kind of um, the, the wording or yeah. how it transitions yeah, it amongst other yeah, um, Aussies. Yeah. Do you have any ideas on what could be a, a maybe somewhat of a solution for bringing, um, bringing, bringing us all together? I mean, 
I, I don't think you'd ever bring us together. I think that is a thing. They are actually different. Yeah. It's like the the Asian race is different to the European race, which is different to the American race, which is that they all have their yes. own slightly ways of doing things, and yes. whether they're more artistic or more, uh, you know, sensitive or there's everyone's different already. Yes. You know, there's no point trying and to make. Just embrace me, that maybe. Trying, yeah, there's no point trying to make Americans like the Australians or like the English or like the Italians. You know, they're all different atmospheres, yes. different people. The indigenous of Australia are different to the indigenous in America, you know, it's, they're different. Yes. And I think you just have to recognise that, they are actually different. Don't yeah. try to make them like me. Yeah. You know, everyone, it's just like everyone else. You're different to me, why should I make you like me? That would go horribly wrong, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? A challenge. One of us would feel forced, you know? <laughs> yes. So, um, and wouldn't just wouldn't be able to do it. So, yeah. Uh, they, they have their uh, ways of doing things, how they live uh, in their even in their head or their genetics and who they are is yes. completely different. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's awesome. about trying to change them at all. And they they work on the land when you need them or yeah, are yeah, they sort of work buddies no. as well? Yeah, we have um, a couple of fellas that come out and love love that sort of stuff. Some, you see some that hate it, you know, can't stand the fright of horses, you know, they can't stand it and some just can't get enough of it. Okay, yeah. You know, so, yeah. And, um, so you have those boys out there that get out there and work hard and oh, good, interesting. You know? they're always off every afternoon trying to catch a bush turkey or a guana <laughs> or something you know hey, where do you get the energy from you don't work hard enough yeah yeah you're very busy aren't you i guess contract mustering I doing the north force doing your, the survival it keeps you alive as soon as you start getting bored i think then yeah yeah you're not living. so what's a day-to-day life for you give um, us a little depends on what, little what, taster. what the day is but I guess we can all um, my, check out your Instagram that's there. That's it, my and, Instagram, there you go. <laughs> there's some highlights. That's it. Um, but it just looks like a really... It's diverse. It's yeah, quite it's diverse. Yeah, it's raw, you know? It is yeah. quite diverse. Start, start early in the morning and you do your mustering. And if it's mustering season, I'm mustering. If it's off-season, then I'm doing whatever's the off-season, breaking horses, fixing, welding, bloody going to the army stuff. Um, or I do survival courses for other... Uh, uh, civilian companies so yeah great yeah mix, so mix all things mostly. shelters everything shelters uh, navigation through the stars navigation with the sunset oh, no cool. compasses maps nothing just using sticks and the stars mm. and the sun and shadows and uh where different rock formations to find waters different uh, materials to light fire with cool. everything where'd everything you learn all these skills uh, doing it most yeah doing it. most of my learned from the indigenous then some i learned some uh, in the army as well, they, those guys have a, yes. a lot more because they've got database from around the world. Of, yes. Um, and I learned this stuff in the Kimberleys, but going through the army is good because I've got a much wider uh, knowledge base, I guess. Yes. And you've got more people there who know, know other stuff as I can uh, lean on them for some things and they teach me and I'll teach them. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you teach the army, do you teach others as well? or? Uh, I do other civilian companies, yeah. Yeah. Um, but mostly, I do most of my stuff in the army there because they run okay, one yeah. or two com- courses a year. Brilliant. That's quite intense, a very, yes. very intense uh, yes. course for them. So yeah. They oh, often, the average weight loss is eight kilos. So, is it? Yeah, so, <laughs> so, yeah. Now a weight loss program. That's <laughs> <laughs> and you love this area of Australia, Absolutely. do you? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, God, you couldn't take me out of this. Even if you did, I still, I, I don't fit in anyway. i got cowboy boots and hat and jeans no matter where I go, even in the middle of Sydney. <laughs> I'm to stick out like a sore thumb, so you're not taking, getting that out of me. <laughs> I really look forward to um, you know, trekking more into that area, um, going over to Broome and, and yep. down. I'm sure yep. I'll be back because I really need to do the um, the Gib River Road through yep. the actual Kimberley. Yep. haven't got a four-wheel drive, yep. but I'll leave that for next time. Just uh, put your thumb up. Someone will pick you up and drive. That's right. Them. I can always just do it that way. Horse Creek, <laughs> you know, Horse Creek way. You, you've just got a Wolf Creek crater there, so just be careful. Oh, okay, okay. I'll, um, I'll put a red flag there. <laughs> and to wrap up, I would just love to ask you what I ask all my interviewees, which is, you know, for your lifestyle and, and how you're how you're living, how do you stay inspired? How do I, that's a good question. How do I stay inspired? 
Um, I don't know. There's a, there's a saying that goes, um, the more you learn, the more you realise you don't know, or mm-hmm. you don't know, something like that, um, which is very true. The more, that it's incredible. Once you start learning more and more things, then you realise that how much you're missing out on and how much the shivers, I've got to, I want to learn more, what else can I do? You know? yes. And then you've got the experiences that you go through and then I have a story to tell. Yeah. I honestly believe in having a story to tell. Everyone needs to go through the experience so they have a story to tell. Yeah. Whether it be to their kids or to their mates or to their grandkids, everybody needs a story to tell. Everyone needs so, a story to tell. Yeah. And I, want, I just want to have a good story to tell, you know? Oh, definitely. I think so. you're collecting them. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time. No, pleasure. And pleasure. we will cross again in the future. Hopefully. You never Hopefully. know. Yep. <laughs> See you around. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening, guys. And I hope you enjoyed. So much learnt and discussed with Nav. He certainly has many stories to tell. If you're not already, follow him on Instagram, Australian Cowboy, and his YouTube. There you can see what he means by pulling a scrub ball down by his tail. If we can't live the outback life, well, we certainly can vicariously. It is lovely to travel around the country because you get a feel for what everybody is up to. As always, check out the show notes for questions you may have from listening. Just simply scroll up in the podcast app or check out my website, betchloe.com. And if you liked this show, I would be most grateful if you could tell a friend, subscribe, or rate and review on iTunes. It all helps. Next episode, I will be making tracks to Perth, and it will just have to be a surprise. But be sure to tune in, as always, every hump day morning. Till then, stay kind, say good day, and I'll see you at the next stop.